The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. After he had fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and precede him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once Jesus spoke to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened. And, beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. My dear friends, the good news, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. May the words of the Holy Gospel blot out our sins. Amen. God, excuse me, tonight tonight I'm a little bit fired up. I got a little excited today thinking about how each Sunday is a little Easter. And I kept thinking about today how the tomb is empty that there's nowhere in the world where the body of Jesus is lying in some grave as bones turn into dust, that he is present, alive, and here with us this very moment. And he, you know, he found a way that he could always be with us forever in the Holy Eucharist. He could be in heaven, yes, but he could also be present here with us in every single Catholic Church in the world, Jesus present here to us. I'm a little excited about that. The tomb is empty, my dear friends. Today's readings, however, are, I think show us a great response to this truth that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is here with us. And this is the, the readings kind of show us three ways that we can love God. Now, of course, there's more than three ways of loving God, but I think these readings point to three ways that we can grow in our spiritual practices which show our love of God. Prayer is loving God. Isn't that why we do it? 
In fact, it doesn't even come from us. It's a gift from God. God gives us the gift to pray to him, and it's a way that we can spend time with the Lord and express our very deepest love for him by the, by the time we spend with him in prayer. It's a free gift of God, which he gives us, which we give back to him. And it produces beautiful and wonderful grace and fruit in our lives. The more that we can give to God, we're not going to outgive God, right? He's going to give us back even more than we give him. And so this, uh, these three kinds of prayer today I want to talk about are from the, from the first book of Kings, chapter 19, contemplative prayer, from uh, St. Paul's letter to the Romans, reparation prayer, and from our gospel, intercessory prayer. Three kinds of prayer that we should have in our prayer life because God has given us all these various tools. Now, you know Elijah here, you can almost think of this, this part of the story of Elijah. He's suffering a little depression. If you read it, you'll see that he's been depressed. God sends the angel to him, says, get up, have something to eat. Now go back to sleep. (laughs) Does that a couple times with Elijah because Elijah's really kind of depressed and lost here. So Elijah figures, I'm going to go to Mount Horeb and I'm going to reconnect with God because I don't feel him right now. I feel lost and depressed. Mount Horeb, another name for Mount Horeb is Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments. We had that a few weeks ago in our readings, if you remember. So he goes there, and there's the lightning, and there's the earthquake, and there's the strong wind, and God's not in that, but God instead is in, the, uh, as the King James Version puts it, the small, still voice. The small, still whisper. That's how God is speaking to him. And that points us to contemplative prayer. Contemplative prayer means giving God a space in our life where he can speak to us in the small, still voice, in the silence. God speaks to us in silence. We have to stop talking sometimes, stop having feelings, but sit in the silence and then let God speak to us in that small voice still voice. This gift of contemplative prayer, which is the highest form of prayer in the church, and so we should have some time in our life listening to God. We've all been in conversations where the other person won't let us talk, right? They're not pleasant. You have to find a way out of those conversations. So don't, don't do that to God. <laughs> don't always talk. Don't, get, don't take away his time when he wants to speak to you because he has things to say to us every day. So giving God time of silence in our lives. And then St. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, he's very, very upset. He wants to give his life, if he could give his life so that the Jewish people would not lose salvation, he's willing to do it in this reading. He says, my heart is breaking. I'm in great sorrow, great anguish. If I could just give my life that the Jewish people would not be lost, I would do it. And that's a prayer of reparation. Reparation is a kind of prayer that we do every day too. And the root word there is repair. We want to repair the damage we've done with our sinful life. We want to spend some time in reparation. It's a simple act of the will. You know, we have it in our morning offering. Lord, I offer you all my thoughts, words, actions today in reparation for all the sins that I've committed in my life or the sins of my family. And we can do that through self-denial, through fasting, through offering rosaries. 
we do that when we come to Mass. We offer up reparation prayer for all the sins, my own sins and the sins of the whole world. So it's all in our, in our, in our intentionality and in our will to offer reparation to God for my own sinfulness and the sinfulness of those whom I love. I, uh, I'll, tell, I'll, I'll get back to that. The last one is in the gospel, I'm running out of time, the last one is uh, intercessory prayer. Peter walks on the water, none of us here, you know, don't laugh at Peter, none of us here would have got out of the boat, I don't think. But Peter, he had the kind of faith where he could step out of a boat onto a lake and expect to walk. I don't know if I would ever do that, but Peter did it. And then he started to sink, and then he cries out, Lord Jesus, help me. And immediately, you know, before he can even finish the sentence, Jesus stretches out his hand to help him. That's intercessory prayer. It's an important part of our life to intercede for others and for ourselves, to ask God for ourselves for the things that we need to grow in holiness. For example, humility, obedience, surrender, trust, all these virtues and gifts of the Spirit that work in our life, to ask God for those but also to intercede and to ask him to help other people. I was going to, that's where I got a little bit ahead of myself. The Pope taught us a great way to use our five fingers for that. So I just changed it a little. But Lord, please, um, I pray for my family, my friends, my benefactors, my Dominicans, sisters and brothers, and my parishioners past, present, and future. See, now you've done it. You've interceded for everyone. And you can do it, too, for reparation. Lord, I offer anything that goes wrong in my day today for reparation for my sins and the sins of my family, friends, and benefactors, Dominican sisters and brothers, and parishioners past, present, and future. So you can use that five-finger prayer to do both reparation and intercessory prayer.